I hope you really enjoyed that interview with uh, Marcus. He was fabulous. Um, I really enjoyed it um, myself. Um, So this week we are again uh, supported by Tamplo. Um, Tamplo is a uh, online tool that uh, turns meetings into actions uh, and uh, has a number of different features. Uh, the bit I'm going to talk about today is around the project and task management and the follow-up. Uh, essentially, you have a, a clear dashboard that shows you overview of scheduled tasks, alert ta- for late tasks, and overview of team's progress. Saves you jumping into your Outlook and being di- diverted by that mor- morass of email that we get. Um, you can create your own daily plan in there, or you can, as a project manager, you may be assigning tasks to people. And those people can look at those, uh, have their own daily plans, adding in their own specific items they've got to do, as well as the things allocated to them. Uh, For the project management point of view, you get a dedicated dashboard with a list of tasks, knowing what people are working on in each project, and there's a load of collaboration capability in there. With the goal of getting no task left undone, uh, more uh, more efficiency and motivation, and clear action plans. So if you want to see what this is all about, jump along to tinyurl.com slash Nigel Creaser Templo. That's all one word, Nigel Creaser Templo. Have fun. Yes, exactly. Um, that that that's one thing, uh, and that that is difficult then to really. Uh, I mean, to use data if it's just half the truth, right? Uh, and, yeah. and you don't have a real proper picture of the reality, right? Um, but, I mean, again, this is a cultural issue. I think uh, that needs some more fundamental shift of of mindset, you know, to release uh, the fears that people have, right? Uh, and and they're not speaking up openly on 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 issues or the other thing is right you know we want to collect data on projects on past projects we want to have basically a, a list of projects that yeah. we can analyze and find patterns to get better in the future right so then tell a project manager okay you're sharing your projects right now or your project data right then let's say even uh, if you know you would actually put in all your little hidden secrets in there, right? Uh, nobody wants to share their failures, right? Uh, I mean, we're sharing success stories, right? Uh, yeah. Of course, like uh, you know, I was in uh, in organizations where they ran these uh, what they call the brown bag sessions, right? Where you actually explain all your oh, how have we done that? How have we achieved that success story, right? And and you. Uh, tell them all about them and the entire organization is listening to you uh, uh, of of what you have achieved right but then we need the same thing for failures no how how did we run this project against the wall Um, I mean what what happened there right Uh, please tell us we want to know because this is where the insights are coming from if we just uh, talk about success stories we will not we will not improve. Uh, it's it's not going to work, right? We need the full picture. But then there's this problem that people will not, uh, or they will be at least reluctant to share failures, right? Nobody yeah. wants to share failures. Or sometimes with those failures, the people who have the knowledge of what was going on aren't there anymore because they've been asked to take take a walk. Whereas yes. actually, 
that ins and, and sometimes that the, the person who's been asked to take a walk isn't the cause of the, the 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 failure there'll be someone else within the hierarchy somewhere that's decided that they're the wrong one person who's the failure and and it is it but the thing is it's not a witch hunt for what we're talking about here but mm. then people get worried about it being that witch hunt and about trying to pin blame yeah. on someone um and yeah. I, and i think it is it's it's a real massive conundrum for me on on how we get to this point. I talked to um, Ricardo Vargas um, mm. uh, some time back, and he was looking at being able to get a cross organizational, cross um, industry data together in one big bucket for us to be able to get this kind of data about projects and do it. And I know that the major projects. Um, uh, um, organization association um then then in uk jonathan um andrew uh are i'm sure it's andrew my brain's going um that those guys are kind of looking at similar sort of things of how you get that big massive change mm. and how they can and we get these big quite often um either large it or large civil projects that we all know run or, or multi multi-discipline projects that run for years and then get extended and then get extended and and there's always yeah. that that um kind of a nod of the head from an from a point of view of a, a um a spectator of going well it's a, it's a it's a big thing it's gonna be complicated as you talked about but hang on why is it tripled in price what what mm. what what's the project manager done wrong and I'm kind of straight away there going, I doubt it's the project manager that tripled it in price. Um, but it, it is how you get people to openly share the data about those failures, in quotes, and why they ended up being three times the price. What did they do wrong at the beginning? With other industries where it could be commercially sensitive or it may be yeah. politically sensitive and on all these, these different things. And, and, and I find it it would be because the problem is is you it's the echo chamber problem you get don't you mm. with your own organization depending on the scale and the size of the organization you're, if you're only doing your own change yeah. you only know what you're bad at so you can only get as good as as your you know what i mean the things that you can spot if you take an industry knowledge and industry data you could have things that you flag up and go, actually, you're running that project this way. You're doing that on that project. Industry's best practice, common practice says this, stop, do something different. And it's how mm. we get that, that industry. Cause it's even in organizations that are doing lots and lots of change, hundreds and hundreds of projects. Um, there's still an echo chamber effect, isn't there? Spotify only know what Spotify do, for example. Yeah, um, no, I see your point. Um, but um, I think it's it's more than just uh, looking at industry data. I mean, obviously, it's it would be great, right, to have to have uh, yeah. have more holistic view, right? And and uh, so, for example, if if I run projects in my compliance areas, yeah, um, and then uh, I mean a particular type of project, and then I see in uh, the industry data tells me actually, or I get some insights that uh, you know these kind of projects that could run much faster because of this and that, right? Then that would be great insight, uh, uh, at least to to push me or to help me to uh, yeah to explore certain things, right? Uh, yeah, not yeah. necessarily to 
to change everything upside down, but but to to really question myself, okay, uh, what's happening here, right? But there's another thing, another aspect, um, and I I always come back to to the areas that I worked in in, in, in compliance. I worked also with with like legal areas. Uh, in these organizations so i work with lawyers and then you you give out a date uh you know like a delivery date uh, or go live date whatever um or delivery date yeah. um and they take it as written in stone it's like it's like you know you don't deliver by then right uh, you deliver a day too late now you are you're toast i mean you have a serious serious problem right and this is a mindset that is that is a problem because we're talking about the future. So what, yeah. what are project managers doing then? And then they put some massive contingency, coming back to your contingency uh, topic again, right? Uh, yes. They put massive contingency on top of it. And uh, sometimes they're crazy large. I mean, I have seen some contingencies, uh, uh, some buffers there on top of it. Uh, you don't understand how these actually get calculated. Uh, so people act out of experience, but you know when you know that your stakeholders will just crucify you if you're not delivering yep. by that day, then you will just add another month, add another month maybe, right? Just on top of it, right? And then uh, and this is uh, where this whole thing goes off track um, in terms of. Um, project success rates and these kind of things, right? Uh, because if you look at, if you really analyze the, your past projects, right? So when, you, and uh, there are some some from Oxford University, for example, they do a lot of research on this and they, they have actual data and, and they, they see then, uh, because we are all very optimistic usually, um, they see there's, there's a huge gap, right? Uh, meaning yeah. that we are estimating project completely wrong and we continuously do so. Even if we have 20 years of experience, we continue estimating the projects incorrectly. Uh, we keep doing that. Yeah. And then we can use insights from past projects uh, to actually correct that. But again, right? Uh, uh, you know we are we are driven by our all environments and organizations. So if we have some stakeholders which are all lawyers and and they don't understand project management at all and say oh you deliver by that date that's the date right uh, yeah. if not uh, you are you're being fired or anything like this then this is um, people will just uh, act out of fear right and 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 put a lot of contingency on top of it right yeah. and i mean i could go on and on because the whole uh culture behind this right uh in especially large organizations uh, where you run these um uh, performance reviews and you get basically judged on this and or uh, pmos with their metrics right yeah. which uh, use oh you haven't met this milestone right and then they punish you and you get basically um you run around from meeting to meeting to to justify uh, why is your project amber or red right uh, and you feel like you're on some uh yeah. on, you know you're being processed yeah uh well actually uh, what you need is someone to come to you and assist you in, in like you may put together a plan on how to bring it back but actually yes as an organization in those scenarios we should be turning around and going that guy needs help that girl needs help 
that project yes. needs some more support resources what do we do about that rather than here's some more work give us some more reports tell us why send us to more meetings it, it, we, we twist that the wrong way it's about again it becomes that and, it, and then it becomes fear and then people stop going red and early enough or amber early enough and asking for help early enough and then the project fails because they've asked for the help too late and then you bring in a red squad that sort of parachute in and save everyone whereas actually if the culture of the organization was early enough that going this is all over the place early on less people less expensive people are able to be put in at the beginning to give that support and keep it on track and yes and i think i think that the thing again when you say you look back at your past projects and we use those to estimate things and you have there's a couple of things i've picked up there was you it's funny my friend just ran um the snowden marathon this weekend which is a 26.2 and it goes up and down snowden the highest highest mountain in england and wales um compared to switzerland and germany i know we're tiddlers but there you go um but <laughs> he ran up there and, it, and he ran back and and it's kind of we're sitting there with him chatting away after him. Said, would you do another one no never again and and actually and he'd said that he said this will be my first and last and, and, and actually five minutes into our conversation we were chatting the road one would be easier though wouldn't he, he said yeah i was thinking that the road one might be easier and so this is within 10 minutes of the pain and the suffering and the hardship that he's gone through through that run. He started to think, yeah, actually, I forgot about it. They're forgetting. The Apparently, the human brain's really good at getting rid of things like that. And I think it applies to projects as well. And you think, right, well, we estimate that. Well, that went wrong. Yeah, but it won't happen this time. And, and we had this. Yeah, but we know now, so we won't make that same mistake again. And as you say, those rose-tinted spectacles go on and you think yeah yeah that that feels more reasonable now and our experience actually is is probably whilst experienced is good it can also be biased and, yes. and I, I, that's that's got, it kind of just made me think of that the fact that we will own the data that we're looking at historically also um doesn't like you've taken into account your estimates as an estimate point of view and we take it that right mm -hmm. great this is the estimate whether it be time whether it be money and we've gone over or we've gone late okay so that's what we've done so this is there we'll adjust for that etc but what it doesn't necessarily is that the time cost quality scope triangle thing of if you're only measuring one of those and only using the data from one of those well we delivered it late but we had 20 20 times as much of the scope or loads more quality in there you get those other measures that can drive the other part of that triangle or cube or whatever you want to call it and and what again how do you solve those interdependencies is it just more data and more being able to plug more data together and having more connotations yeah i mean that 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 where you basically want the detail of data analytics right you you yeah. find like uh, uh, a particular type of project but you i mean i could say for example i have a data migration project if i just look at a data migration project in general well you find like um, millions of different yeah sorts of migration project right uh, so you have to build your criteria there to narrow that down right and uh, i mentioned oxford university before i mean that they uh, i think it's called uh, reference class forecasting which is based on Daniel Kahneman, no, um, thinking fast and slow, uh, his uh, theories there. Uh, um, 
uh, about uh, biases, etc. And they basically have to build up some some what they call a reference class or certain criteria to narrow that down, right? Uh, I mean, of course, we always say like every project is unique, yeah, uh, or at least uh, the output is unique, right? Yeah. But there there are tons of elements in a project that are copy. just copied over, right? They're all the same, yeah. right? I mean, it's just like building a house, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. there's a process. Every house is different. It's a unique product. Uh, but there are a lot of processes in there. It's just the same. It's just copied all yeah. over the place, right? So that's where you can actually uh, get insights from uh, and, and use those insights to get better in the future with your estimates because we are not made for estimating. We are not designed for forecasting projects. It's, I mean, it's, it's even ridiculous that, that uh, we... Um, run projects or we call ourselves project managers because we are completely handicapped uh, yeah. by nature, right? We, we we don't have that capability. As you said before, we have like confirmation bias, we have optimism bias. I mean, a whole series of biases, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it yeah. all kicks in. Yeah, because yeah. we're, des we're designed as creatures on the savannah and that to do pattern recognition. And we do pattern recognition and we do pattern recognition to identify things that might harm us. Yeah. And so our, our our inner chimp is sitting there going, right, hang on. That, 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 right, I'm worried about that. Or 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 oh, I'm not worried about that. And if there's not enough of them, we're not going to worry about it. And it's it's it, we do it with our vision, we do it with a lot of things, don't we? And that yeah. that um that that it's all and and again, it's pattern recognition, but it's with a very specific focus, isn't it? Whereas yes. if we were able to do pattern recognition like some of the supercomputers we've got sat in the Antarctic, then we might be able to be a bit better, but we're not good enough to do that much, to use that much data, are we? Yeah, but I, I mean, uh, as I said, right, uh, we have to narrow that down. For example, if I have a software development project, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't go out there and say, let's look for such a type of software development project uh, because you will not find it, uh, no. at least not the exact same project because we have, different people, we have a different product to develop, et cetera, right? But if I have a particular task in a software development project, right? Um, then I can actually go back in, in past project and find patterns. How have people actually addressed that particular task, which is all repetitive, right? And then you bring in all these different parameters of, of skill sets, um, people's behavior or location even or uh, mindset culture whatever right there are a lot of aspects that you can bring in right uh, to to kind of get an idea um what the best what a reasonable estimate is because i don't know about you but i mean i was in software development pro or i ran software development projects and although i have a software development background uh, i work with developers who let's say they work with Java. I don't know Java. So I, I tell them, uh, uh, you have that task, give me an estimate. They could have told me anything, right? Uh, yeah. They tell me, uh, oh, it takes two weeks, let's say, right? Yeah, of course I'm going to challenge them because that's what we do, right? Uh, we, we challenge them just to bring down the, the estimate, right? But if, if that guy says, uh, no, it's two weeks, I, I cannot reduce it. Well, then we have, a, have to take it. And maybe, and probably that person is just requiring one week, right? 
is just putting himself like uh, uh, a little bit of buffer there. We cannot yeah. really um, you, you, you control can't. that or check that, no. right? No, but can't. if you have data, then it's not to say, or these insights from data, it's not to say, oh, but wait a second, right? You gave me two weeks. I have uh, here one week, right? Uh, so uh, you're, you're telling me something wrong here, right? That's also not uh, the way to go, right? But it's something to, uh, to argue, right? To, to push, yeah. right? To, to say, you know, in the past we have done it this way. What have those people done differently? Uh, and then uh, you, you, you have actually something real to challenge uh, yeah. and estimate instead of just by the sake of challenging, just challenging and estimate, right? Uh, so, so you have something more that you can work with and push people to, to better performance uh, or higher performance. I mean, I just think about this, like, you know, when, when agile practices came in and, and scrum and these kind of things, right. That was also set up in a way that actually people become more, uh, they're competing with each other. Right. And that they, mm. um, uh, become eventually faster. Uh, because they have something to compare to, right? And they're compared to actually other people's performance in terms of uh, um, story points or anything like this, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, when we estimate, then you have something to compare to. It's a similar concept kind of. Yeah, yeah. because as you say, it's kind of you're sitting there, you talk to someone and say, well, what sort of story point, how complex do you think it is? Because you're talking story points, because you're talking uh, something conceptual, uh, in their sort of um, uh, estimation of complexity and difficulty, that takes mm. away from days and things, and actually is more likely for someone to get get a, you to get a more honest opinion from them than if you said how many days. Both both over and under underestimating, I think, is probably because you will yeah. get say, well, how complex is it, and how how much work or rework and things like, that. and unless you spend a lot of time delving down into detailed estimates with an individual that that i do like like the that i i i used a little bit the um uh the agile poker the scrum poker cards mm. and i think it's a really good way of doing it when you've got a group of people who understand what they're doing in the technology and you get that and you get the one puts 10 days the other put 150 days that's brilliant because those are the ones where you sit there going hang on we've got some confusion or misunderstanding about what this thing is this use yeah. case is not clear. And then you have that conversation and it, and as soon as you have that conversation, it opens up a load of things and either draws them together or moves them one way or the other. And whereas if you said, how long do you think that'll take? You wouldn't get that. You wouldn't have two people saying, how long do you, if you said to two developers, how long do you think you can take it? And how long do you think you, it would take you? They start going, well, it's a bit of ego thing in there. Doesn't it? A bit of whether exactly. I'm better than them. Whereas this is, well, yeah. How horrible is it? Regardless of how quickly, doesn't matter. There's none of that performance uh, uh, sort of bit of it. It's just about their view, and I think it yeah. does that. It takes it away, doesn't it? And 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 those um, estimating things, I just, it, it, as you say, it is a minefield of of what we can get right, get wrong. If someone, the gold standard issues that you get when you ask someone to do something and, and the level of standard that you need required that is required for this particular piece of work may be mm. at this level but the person you've asked to estimate it is up here giving you a platinum piece of work you don't need that platinum piece of work you might be doing a, a proof of concept that 
you're just throwing out there and you may have not yeah. communicated that very well to that person yeah, and it's a yeah. proof of concept and those are where you can get those differences isn't it which should knock someone together it look all right it's only for internal no one's going to see it then they would have a different approach potentially or they might not and they're still trying to do the gold standard because all their work is always at a gold standard and it's kind of it is it, it's a it's one of those things you open that box and is there's everything coming out of it isn't it of these yeah. things of, <laughs> of 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 all these different quality standards of the estimating standards of those individual cultures the fear thing of if you've got developers who every time they get it wrong they get hammered and told they've got to work the weekend to get it right and finished yeah well they're gonna say two weeks rather than a week because they don't want to work the weekend they don't want to be pushed into working the weekends if they've got a little bit of relax in there but then you're not developing delivering stuff as cost effectively as you could do because time expands to fill the time available so if someone's got two weeks to do it in they'll do it in two weeks it's not that often in in yeah. maybe in some of the agile processes it's different but it's that thing isn't it if you've got two weeks to do it in you'll probably do it in two weeks you'll just do it well you do extra you'll maybe take a little bit more consideration on certain elements of it that you wouldn't necessarily do if you were trying to do it a bit quicker well, we not, usually, I wouldn't say they're necessary having a coffee and not doing anything, but it's, it's, <laughs> I mean that that's unusual. It's more the, the slightly change to the to the emphasis and the speed that you could do something. But uh, you know, uh, you touched a good point there because uh, there's and it is a minefield, right? Um, you know, in terms of estimation, you know, when when a developer says I need two weeks, and you give that person two weeks then there's a high chance actually it takes more than two weeks. Uh, I mean, effectively, although the whole task can be done in one week, maybe, but you yeah. give that uh, give, give that developer two weeks, yeah, uh, probably will run at the edge, right? Uh, or maybe yeah, yeah, gets yeah. even delayed, right? Uh, because yeah. no more time you use it, right? I mean, you always do that. That's, that's the other thing that, you know, by nature, we are just like this, right? Uh, it's like, uh, let's put some more time in, gives, uh, we are, more relaxed, but in the end, yeah. you know, it becomes a stretch again, right? Uh, and that's where project managers come in and they they challenge people and push it down, right? Uh, I, I mean, I do that myself, right? Uh, or did that myself with, for example, uh, external vendors, like software vendors, right? Yeah. I gave them some huge story about, oh my God, we have to get this done. Otherwise, now this is this would be a complete nightmare. Uh, and, and we have absolutely no contingency whatsoever. And that that software, you need to get that delivered by, I don't know, Monday or so, right? Although I have maybe like two weeks uh, later, not a problem. But uh, I know if I would give them two weeks, they would delay it or there would be some yeah. problems coming up, whatever, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's how we usually operate, right? Uh, yeah. you, you bake something in and everybody bakes in some estimates yeah. and all of a sudden you have some massive amount of estimates, right? Um, sorry, contingency. Yeah, and that's the thing is you don't with your suppliers you don't know what constraints they've got. You don't know you can't control yeah. those constraints. You can't sit there and go right. I'll go to my VP to get that person reallocated to that piece of work to make sure it happens because it's a supplier and that supplier won't necessarily have that. So if you come to that end of two those two weeks that you didn't give them and didn't push them for, you're right. That then you're immediately hitting your timescales, aren't you? Your milestones, and it it is a it's a it's a, the whole planning thing and uh, timelines on, on projects is is a whole. It's an an art. It's a it's a a, a set of uh, made up stuff. It's a whole 
it's it's just wild. It's, it's a hell of a skill at times because you've got as a yeah as a project manager, you're not sitting there trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. You're not trying to pretend it's going to take longer. You're trying to sail it down the middle, aren't you? And kind of get yeah. it on on what you think is actually going to happen. And so some stuff you'll take a risk, on other stuff you won't. And then you've got to balance. And then, as you say, when you get those contingencies, contingency or project compression, that's when it starts to become a problem. And that's where some of the failures may be. It's it's a case of some of us not. But th- but then you've got to be careful because there are people who just go, yeah, yeah. As you say, it's going to take twelve months but it's actually a nine month piece of work and it takes yeah. 12 months. And therefore we're not driving productivity. We're not driving cost saving. We're not getting cost benefits so quickly. And that's where I think the agile uh, agenda and that delivering of, I, I think it's more of a problem when we've got these the kind of water, traditional waterfall projects that end up with mm. the benefits right at the end. If we can do that by doing the agile type of approaches and dropping the benefits early, dropping them quickly, getting the payback, rather than having the one big bang and sometimes i know with some projects that's not viable that takes away that problem because Mm. you can go right we're planning this as long as everyone accepts that you're going to deliver everything by this date and it'll be a mixed bag of what comes through and sometimes we'll plan something one sprint but actually we don't get it it'll be the next sprint but something else has come in earlier and 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 that's the culture change on those sort of things because then because because I think it's so important on that as well, because you've got that big bang thing at the end, 12 months down the line. The way the world changes these days. Yeah. You could have delivered a, a third of that by three months in and you're getting benefits yeah. out of it. But the decision and, and you continue to get benefits, but your decision may be let's reprioritize that work. Let's take that funding we got for the rest of the year. We put it to this thing because that's more important. If you've mm. done it without releasing anything out, you've got zero and three months of sunk cost gone. Never getting anything from that ever again until you start the project again. And actually, you might as well throw that all away. Whereas if you've released stuff, you're getting that benefit. And the fact that you've had to reprioritize the rest, that doesn't change. Well, that that doesn't that means you overall the organization gets more. And I think that's, I think it's one of the big benefits of the of, of moving to these kind of approach. But you've got to move to that point where you're it's no point being agile without getting business benefits during it. In my view, it doesn't feel it doesn't because then it's just waterfall with a load of agile tools. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of, it, 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 it's whilst, which, but yeah, if you accept that's what it is, that's okay. But if you think you're agile, you're not, you've got to be releasing stuff. You've got to be delivering business benefit throughout the project. Otherwise it doesn't make sense to me, but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, there's no doubt agile uh, is is definitely removing a lot of the risk uh, that's yeah. out there, especially with what you're saying, right? Everything is is faster moving nowadays, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, I don't, I don't um, question agile practices, right? I'm actually quite a fan of agile practices. I just think we need something on top of it. Because uh, you can be agile, which improves obviously your flexibility and to react to certain developments. But then uh, that's the precise point, right? You have to react to certain things, uh, certain changes. 
how would you see them, right? Uh, these kind of changes in the business environments, et cetera, anything, um, you know, let's take an example, right? The pandemic, right? How that yeah. happened, right? I mean, when, when everybody had to work from home from one day to another, right? So organizations, uh, and, and I was uh, working in one organization, they were prepared, right? They, uh, they were prepared to, to send home yeah. uh, 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 60, 70,000 people. Uh, and uh, there was some, some struggle in the first week and then everything went basically to normal operations from an infrastructure point of view, right? Yeah. Uh, and it was all going smooth. Other organizations, they weren't that lucky. They were just went down and they were completely... Uh, they couldn't operate anymore, right? Yeah. Because they were not prepared. They haven't seen that coming. Uh, and so what I'm saying is in projects, and there will be many more disruptions or disruptive events will, will still, they are still to come, right? Uh, I think we need to be prepared to react or not only to be flexible enough, so agile enough to, to react to... Um, disruptive events, but we need to be informed about them actually, uh, to actually get prepared properly, right? Otherwise yeah. you, it just, you, you can be as agile as you want, right? Then uh, it's, it's useless if you don't have that anticipative uh, view uh, on certain events to come, right? And that's where you need data basically. And just to give you a, a small example um, uh, where data would have been useful, or data analytics, or even AI and these kind of things, right? Uh, I was working with an external vendor, so a supplier to the project, and uh, they were delivering software on a frequent basis. And uh, they had some issues uh, in their own organization with some malware. They had some malware attack, right? Uh, hmm. uh, and and, and uh, so they were infected uh, with the virus and they continued delivering software, right? Um, with without telling us that they had a problem, right? And we discovered only via social media. Um, only in many organizations, social media is restricted uh, and you cannot even access it. So you don't even look at this. And you know, when you uh, go home, right? Uh, and you're not in the office anymore, then, then you don't think about work anymore. You don't, you don't care about yeah. this. Really, right? uh, and you don't do any research on this, right? So, and, so the, the point is, right, uh, we, if we would have some, and I compare it again to compliance errors, right? You know, when you open a bank account, they do some complete scanning of your background, right? Uh, you know, know your customer, KYC, right? So yeah. you need to do a K, KYP, know your project. That's what I call it. Yeah. Uh, because you have to have a complete scan of your environment and everything that's involved with your suppliers, your stakeholders, uh, your business environments, uh, anything, Right. And it's, it goes beyond the normal risk management practices. It's, it's much more because you use basically um, a much wider view by employing data instead of having this, this uh, uh, what's that called? Somebody um, labeled that a risk myopia, right? Where you, where you kind of short-sighted. Yeah. You have only this view that, that you can... You have right yeah. just, just the things you can influence that you you worry exactly. about rather than exactly. the things you don't worry about. Yeah, but yeah. you you mentioned it. You know, the everything is moving fast nowadays. We're obviously in the age of information overflow, uh, so uh, we cannot process everything. 
by yeah. ourselves, right? We need some help. Um, Absolutely. And that's why uh, to start with, data analytics would come in handy, right? Eventually, obviously, AI and these kind of things, right? But I mean, you have to get started somehow with, with data because otherwise um, uh, there will be more failures to come, I think, in projects. Yeah. Well, I, I know it's getting late um, over where you are and... I can. I, I think we could we could sit here and talk about this all night and put the world to right. I think so. probably it's, yeah. It's <laughs> such a such a deep and um, uh, multifaceted um, topic, and and I'm sure that people will want to hear more about it and, and maybe uh, get in touch. So so if wanted, people wanted to talk to you more, or see more about this, um, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm I'm on LinkedIn, so I'm easy to find. You know, I uh, I have a relatively unique last name on LinkedIn. So I'm, I'm uh, easy to find there. Otherwise, uh, I have my website, marcusglovers.com. Uh, for anyone who is interested, can visit that as well. Uh, but I, I guess the easiest way is, is via LinkedIn. Brilliant. Superb. Well, thank you very much, Marcus. Um, it's been a, a fascinating uh, a conversation. And it's there's things pinging around in my head and thoughts on there. And, and, and I, again, it's the, it's, it's as every one of these, I start, it makes me think about how I've done things differently and could have done things differently. So it's really appreciate that. So thank you so much for coming on the show and being so generous with your time and uh, have a fantastic rest of your evening. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me today. No problem. Bye -bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Marcus Glovatch. Um, I certainly did. Uh, next week, I have a Victoria McKenna on, the fashionable PM. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about fashion, about um, project management, and ab about um, uh, Victoria experiencing a stroke as part of, in part of her career and what happened and how that changed her life. It's a really fascinating conversation. So come back next week and have a listen. Cheers now. Wow, you made it this far. I'm guessing that you enjoyed the show if you have, or maybe you've just left it playing in the background and forgot it was on. But if you did enjoy it and uh, you're inclined to, I'd be delighted if you could share your, the show with your colleagues. Uh, it's a discoverability with podcasts is quite difficult, especially with a niche one like this. But sharing with your colleagues and letting them have a chance to listen to these fantastic guests would be brilliant. If you've got time, a review on whatever platform you uh, listen to it on, uh, would be great too, especially if it was a five-star one. Again, that makes it easier for people to discover the show when they're searching on there because the comments uh, raise it up the old search engine op optimization on all the different tools. If you are feeling flush, I have a couple of ways you could uh, contribute. One is Patreon, uh, Patreon slash Sunday Lunch PM, and you can uh, uh, donate some money to the to the podcast that way. Uh, or you can jump along to my my um, website, nigelcreaser.com, www.nigelcreaser.com, and click on the link to the shop. And in there, you've got all my books that I've created uh, in the varying different guises, a number of different ways you can grab a copy of those. And down the bottom, I've got the uh, well, my guests' books. So everyone who's been on here, if they've had a book, I've got a link to their their. Uh, their book in there and Amazon give me a little bit back for when someone buys from them but uh, more importantly uh, if you come back 
next time and listen. Um, I'll be delighted. So I'll leave you alone and let you get on with your day now. Thank you. Bye. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye. <laughs>